I've always said if I was going to competitive eat something, it would be fries. I can eat them on an endless loop until the sun explodes. This is Ramblin', your Rams podcast that brings you inside of the team and news from around the NFL. I'm your host and team reporter, Serena Morales, coming at you from lovely and sunny Los Angeles, California. Grab your Dodger dog. Baseball season is here and the continuation of football season that just doesn't seem to end. Also, what never ends, my love for my guest today. He's hilarious. He's charming, smart, clever. It's actually annoying how talented he is. This man, you know him well and his talents because he's on ESPN, co-host of Chine and Golik Jr. 4 to 7 Eastern. I made him join the podcast because it was my birthday. So follow the man on Twitter and see if he'll be on your podcast too because you might have a birthday at some point. At Golik Jr., my friend, how are you? <laughs> I am doing well. And yeah, you leveraged that really great. Like I realized I'm usually a sucker and a yes man in a lot of instances in life. But then when someone throws the birthday card in there, and especially someone that I enjoy and love as much as you, it's like, all right, well, what time though? I don't even know if I can cuss on this podcast. My bad, Rudy. <laughs> and that's what happens when I do podcasts with friends and people I know. I get too comfortable and we're already off the rails. So I promise I'm going to be better and more buttoned up. Please and thank you. This is only we're at like one second into the podcast. How did this happen? Oh my God. I usually like, I pride myself on having a great, I call it my grandparents' house voice or my grandparents' house like mode when I go on radio. Cause you know how when you go over to your grandparents' house as a kid, you gotta be buttoned up. You can't cuss none. You can't do anything like that. And so usually when I see a microphone, I'm like, all right, grandma's house, grandma's house. Not so much here. So. No grandma here today. Well, I appreciate that. We got mute and bleeps and maybe we'll leave it in. I don't know. I'll find out. Um, <laughs> that's fine. I appreciate you for being bribed for my birthday. So that was, I was like, go look, will you come on my podcast? And he had already said yes. But then I was like, oh, it's my birthday. So you have to. And he was like, I already said yes, but that's a-okay too. Fine. Um, <laughs> it is April Fool's. The Rams, they ain't fooling nobody. They're trying to win, win, win. Deshaun Jackson, he is reunited with his buddy, Sean McVay. It feels so good. Golik Jr., how do you feel about the addition of our Deshaun? I mean, Deshaun Jackson, like, way to pull out a, a big name to this wide receiver court. Yeah, well, I think the best part about it is the rest of this wide receiver court is already so good that – you get to have Deshaun Jackson come in and hopefully shoulder less of the load. Like we know injury has been a part of his recent history, especially as he's gotten later in his career, but he is still a guy kind of like that Ted Ginn Jr. S where you keep waiting for them to get older and lose that speed and it doesn't happen. So if he can stay healthy, you can kind of do the old Patriot trick of saying, we just need you to do this one thing. Like we got all these other guys. They're great at all this other stuff. They're going to they're going to be awesome. We just need you to run really, really fast and let Stafford go ahead and just remind us about that cannon he's got attached to his shoulder. Oh, for sure. I mean, just load Matt, Matthew Stafford up and you've got all your wide receivers with Van Jefferson and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Add a little Deshaun Jackson to the mix. We should be good to go. Um, the Rams are saying goodbye, though, to center Austin Blythe. He was scooped up by the Kansas City Chiefs as a former offensive lineman. What? Help us understand this. What is the key to having a cohesive and happy offensive line and a happy 
quarterback? What do we need to see? Uh, time and health. Like that, that's really, and, and that's, was the biggest issue when we've seen the Rams go down. Like you go back to the Super Bowl season, and this is one thing I always love to track. Uh, we get access to a lot of these great stats. And one of them shows you offensive line combinations and how many snaps they've played together through the course of a given season. And when you tend to look at the end of most seasons, it's not entirely predictive, but at the end of most seasons, the teams that are making deep postseason runs are ones who have had their starting offensive line or their main offensive line unit play the most snaps together. It's an indication of health, but it also gives you cohesion that you can only build up over time. In the Rams Super Bowl year, they were one of the top two or three teams when it came to the those snaps together up front because especially now in today's NFL defenses are so varied you've got so many unbelievable skilled players that they found a way to use and so the best way to be able to work through that is a scheme like the Rams that prioritizes zone blocking stretch play action pass like the kind of stuff we see from McVay and Kyle Shanahan but also a group that's just got time under task together and so that was the biggest advantage they had back when they made their Super Bowl run and now that's just a thing you've got to build and it gets harder and harder because of the practice limitations because of what these CBAs have done to the offseason programs and the O-line tends to be the unit that three four weeks into the season is still kind of finding its way so that's unfortunate because Austin had been a guy that they had come to be able to count on but you know slotting someone in and just trying to find especially at center which is a position on the line that's a big leadership position not necessarily one where you need to be the most dynamic athlete because you got a lot of help all around you I know that from very personal experience so <laughs> it, it it should be good this is a very offensive line friendly system so it doesn't usually take guys long to come in here and figure it out if you've got the kind of players the Rams tend to scout Right. And I mean, if Whitworth plays till he's 75, then we have at least someone kind of holding down the fort for the rest of them. What is he made of? Like, I understand, like, Andrew Whitworth is a mountain of a human being, always has been. But I just keep looking up every year and wondering when, like, we don't talk nearly enough about that. Like, we're all, like, obviously lapping praise on Tom Brady and all these guys. Like, this guy's that old playing offensive freaking line and playing left tackle in the division that is the NFL's hellscape Thunderdome. I, I, I don't understand how he does it. I, I want to one day meet him and shake his hand and thank him for what he's given the offensive line community and in what he's done defeating Father Time better than any of these quarterbacks who get to wear their fancy red jerseys all week. I, he just posted an Instagram of him doing push-ups with a 100-pound uh, rope, like a very heavy metal, steel, titanium, some sort of chain. And it was like draped around his back, like if he was in some superhero movie, just doing push ups. And I was like, you're a monster. <laughs> What? Some people, some people's better is just better. That's what I figured out <laughs> over time is like, eventually you realize some people just came out with more and have worked hard to continue to achieve at that level. So shout out to Wit, man. That's a, like an unbelievable NFL Ironman. Shout out to Wit. Uh, drafted from LSU way back when the draft, it's this month, it's going to happen what and where do the Rams kind of need to add, would you say, the most? We kind of touched on the wide receiver group. They seem to be solid there. We've got a quarterback, Matthew Stafford. We're solid there. Um, the defense, they were the number one defense in the league last season. You still got Aaron Donald. You still got Jalen Ramsey. You lose significant players like John Johnson and Troy Hill. They go to the uh, Cleveland Browns. 
Is that a place that needs to be filled? Um, the defensive line, Brockers, uh, now with the Lions. Um, Morgan Fox is now with the Carolina Panthers. Um, do we need a fill there? They did re-sign Leonard Floyd, which I think was a key component to keeping this number one defense health-like together, cohesive. Um, do we need to add to the offensive line? We kind of just spoke to help Andrew Whitworth out, add some friends. Uh, where, where do you kind of see the Rams kind of adding to this team? Yeah, I, I think sort of you nailed a lot of the big ones, but I would say interior offensive line is certainly a place you're going to want to go and target and bolster because, again, I, I always look at NFL teams and say, all right, follow the money and protect the investment. Like you have put your immediate future into the hands of Matthew Stafford. And so if I'm Sean McVay, I'm saying let's make good and damn sure this is a guy who has made his mark and made his living in the NFL showing us like how many times saying goodbye to Detroit did we see that highlight of Matthew Stafford like popping his shoulder out going back into the game like we know he's tough we don't need to put him in that many positions to be tough and so let's make sure in this draft that you go out and make you fortify that group up front make sure that is nothing you have to question over the course of the season and put him in the best possible spot because you're right on the other side I think there is so our spots in the middle of the defense, you can go ahead and fill. But when you start your foundation with book edge pass rushers, especially Aaron Donald in there, the ultimate like unlock game breaker defensive player and Jalen on the back end, like you already checked two of the key component boxes that NFL franchises spend decades trying to look for. So everything else on that side of the ball to me is going to be a luxury. Now you've got a scheme change. You've got differences there that are going to pop up. But at the end of the day, when I'm getting ready as an offensive lineman, we're going out there to look. It's always, all right, I got to find the destroyer. And when you've got one and then a guy in Leonard Floyd who can kind of show up in big spots and be just as deadly because of that, that all of a sudden complicates the game plan in a way that before you even account for scheme, what they're going to throw at you structurally, that already you step off the bus with problems that we've got to address as a group up front, as an offense on the other side. And certainly that's even before you get to Jalen in the back end of all this, which coupling a dynamic guy on the back end with a great pass rush is, you know, whether you believe pass rush or coverage is more important, they got both of them. So who cares? Right. They check both boxes and they're two of the best in the game, two of the best players in the league, whether you play on which side of the ball doesn't actually matter. Um, and those two on the team make me happy. What else makes me happy? Get this. Matthew Stafford. He hates bad drivers and he loves Drake. In a quick rapid fire with uh, the Rams' new QB, he gave his hot takes, which included his pet peeve, bad driving. Welcome to Los Angeles, my friend. And his love for Drake, who also lives in Los Angeles. Would love to get your thoughts on Matthew Stafford and his hot takes. Well, you know what? He would know a lot about bad drivers. So I went to school at Notre Dame, which is in northern Indiana, like right on the border. Just to give you an idea of how close Indiana on Sundays does not sell liquor. They've got some of those old laws when it comes to selling alcohol on Sundays. Michigan does. And so Niles, Michigan is about 10 miles over there. So everyone at Notre Dame had their liquor store across the border that they would go to on Sundays if they were still inclined in that spot. And the one thing that kind of proximity introduced me to how terrible people from Michigan drive. And so Matthew Stafford has spent his entire career in Detroit having to go around with all of these people who don't know how to drive worth a damn. And so Getting liberated from that. Now, I don't know if Los Angeles is going to be a ton better traffic situation, a little bit different. Certainly some things to reckon with there, but completely with them on that side of things. Wow, what great insight, because most of the time they would say, no offense to um, the locals here in Los Angeles, but they realize the traffic is atrocious 
and that comes with accidents and people perhaps looking at their phone instead of the road. Who am I to say? But that is very interesting to know that we have equally bad drivers elsewhere. <laughs> oh God, they're they're absolute they're absolute garbage. And I'm pretty comfortable saying that again. Like every time I looked like I was almost gonna get rear-ended or someone stopped short on something, I would look down Michigan plates. It was sure as the day is long on that one. So excellent take from Matthew there. And then the Drake take, not, not surprising. Like again, Matthew Stafford is I always forget a lot closer to my age than most of the like we think about him as a lot older quarterback, but he's what thirty three. Yeah, he's he's pretty. It's around our age, right? Yeah, like he's he's right in here. And so I look at Matthew and say, yeah, well, he grew up when Drake was making everything that we listened to in you know college and on through there. So it makes a lot of sense. Drake is as much as I have tried to at times fight liking Drake because there are like, listen, he seems kind of lame at certain points when it comes to sports teams. He's just really looking for whoever he can clout chase on that. Like Drake is a Jersey chaser. We know that like that is a hundred percent who he is. And that's okay because he makes really, really good music. And he seems in general, like he's a semi nice. I don't you know. I don't know him enough to regulate on that, but I know he makes really good music and stuff that when I am vaccinated, I'm going to go out and drink outside and listen to. So right. I appreciate Drake in the same ways. I'm sure Matthew Stafford does. He, he normalizes himself because we all just love to listen to a Drake song when we're stuck in bad traffic. So I hear you there. Like I say bad traffic feels like a Marvin's room situation. <laughs> News around the NFL. We have 17 games this season. Yay or nay? So two different <laughs> camps on this. Yay for fans, because like obviously any of us who watch it, we get more football. Everyone knows and sees the NFL is still a raging juggernaut. It's wildly popular. They were able to even maintain that popularity during a pandemic season. The, the only downside for me is I know for the players, that is especially the guys that I would have played with up front. That's a 17th game of pounding. That's another week of having to put your body through that and try and stay healthy through the course of that. Like, this whole system is going to bring more money in for the league, and it's going to go to the same places it's always gone to. Marquee quarterbacks, top-end wide receivers and skill players, and, and you know it'll trickle down to the offensive line in some spots, but those are the guys that are going to have to bear the brunt of what these 17 games now bring. And we know it's probably not going to stop there either. We had playoff expansion last year. I'm sure the owners will be looking to try and capitalize and go even more through in that so I'm a little conflicted because I always think from the player's perspective first and foremost is all right there was a bump in the minimum salaries for the guys that were on minimum deals that's great across the board because that's the meat of the bell curve that was the life that I lived very briefly as a guy who was an undrafted free agent but overall we know that people are going to love this the NFL and the owners knew that people were going to love this and that's why they made sure to bake it into the CBA for sure is this then the beginning of shall we say load management resting players where teams are kind of watching you know a number of plays for a certain guy or is it more we're going to rest guys at practice 
I would probably say the latter. George Atala, who works at the NFLPA, I think he's the executive vice president, said that this decision automatically triggered some things. Now, I haven't heard specifically what they are, but changes to the off-season model, changes to the in-season practice model. And so I think that's going to be the more likely route. And I think for 17 games, you won't have to see too, too much of the idea of snap counts in ways that we should probably already be doing, like basketball kind of learned and went through a lot of the science to find out what happens in back-to-back when you play too many games in a week's time. And so Football should be getting more and more to that point. We have so much technology to monitor that. I think the interesting thing is going to be to watch is roster expansion. Like the fact that you can only dress 46 guys on game day is still wild to me. You're suiting up usually in the spots that you're going to need extra bodies. You're usually only dressing seven offensive linemen on game day. You're trying to limit those numbers because you need other bodies on special teams, things like that. I think eventually, especially in those high-impact positions, you're going to have to see. If we're going to talk ever about 18 games or the places that people all expect greeny owners to probably eventually go, you're going to have to talk about roster expansion. I know that means having to give more money to more guys if you're thinking it from the PA side, but I would still think if you're going to prioritize health and safety, eventually you're going to need more people in there to shoulder more of the load. Absolutely. You're going to have to rotate players in. Like Cam Akers can't be running – every game for 17 games without yeah. a like tap me out i gonna say doing that doing special teams like that'll be the biggest area we need help in all of this is you gotta have guys running up and down on punt return kickoff return all that stuff who are also then supposed to go out and try and cover somebody or run routes like it's just it's not going to be sustainable if you keep adding this much for sure i'm with you um all right it's now time for serena's Socially distant social segment. Baseball kicking off. I wanted to see, because you're so good at these things when I throw these weird questions at you. What NFL player do you think would actually be, be, be better at baseball and why? Better at baseball than he is in the <laughs> NFL. Well, I know. So right off the bat, I don't know if he'd be better but I know Golden Tate was my teammate in college at Notre Dame played baseball at Notre Dame also and was a really good baseball player and a really good golfer so he's got a lot of that in his bag and I feel like Golden would make an incredibly exciting outfielder because I when Golden plays football I said he is a guy that plays backyard football on professional stages he did it in college he's done it in the NFL he goes out and draws it up in the dirt like we're just throwing it around in the backyard and so having that guy's versatility having his creativity in the outfield stacking up web gems I feel like would be a huge success for everybody also golden is a great name in any sport but yeah it's be like go up to bat golden tape like that'd be great oh yeah Outfielder, golden, tape, golden gloves. Golden we got him. Bada bing, bada boom. Is the Dodger dog the ultimate baseball meal? So I think so. I'm a big fan of the Dodger dog and the Michelada out there. I was not a big Bloody Mary fan before I started going at those. The thing I want to ask you about, though, as someone who is closer to this situation is I've had the Dodger dog, but in talking to my co-host, Janae Gumake, who plays for the Sparks, is out in Los Angeles. She always I've, I've heard her and Ashley Brewer bring up garlic fries. Is that also a Dodger Stadium special? Yeah, garlic fries, they're they're delicious at Yankee Stadium. They're way more garlicky at Yankee Stadium, but they do have garlic fries and I eat them often. But it's they're almost perfect because you don't want to like be close to especially socially distant. Like you don't want to yeah. be near anyone really. 
close. So it's almost better to just, if everyone ate garlic fries, we would all watch baseball safely and sound. See, I have a real nostalgia. Like, I'm obviously, I've always said if I was getting competitive to eat something, it would be fries. I can eat them on an endless loop until the sun explodes. <laughs> but I have a soft spot in my heart for hot dog because it's so tied in nostalgia for me in any sport. Like, I remember going to Notre Dame games as a little kid, Notre Dame football games, and when they would score, the cheerleaders would come out and they would have hot dogs, just like not, you know, no dress, nothing dressed up on them or anything, just your bare bones hot dog and bun wrapped up in tinfoil, and they would be throwing them into the stands. And so imagine like a fat little sixth grade Mike Gola Jr. just hawking hot dogs in Notre Dame Stadium. I wouldn't even dress them up or nothing. They came so perfect. They were wrapped in angel's wings. And I was just in there going hammer time on these things. And so now for me, anytime I go to a sporting event, it's like I just tend to gravitate towards the hot dogs. And I think it was conditioned when I was young. You make yourself sound like a video game, like Trump, Trump, like how many hot dogs can he catch in one game? You know what? I, I have to say, I'm pretty sure there were games I walked out of there with multiple, like, you know how most people taste down the t-shirt cannon when they're yeah. in the stadium? I was the one, I was like, no, 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 save it for the hot dogs. We're conserving energy. Are we getting, hold on. <laughs> That's what that, did you bring mustard or ketchup with you to games knowing you were going to get a hot dog? Oh, that's what I said. I was a savage and I just ate them raw. Like there was nothing on these hot dogs and they were great. I don't know how they cooked these hot dogs. I don't think they were some sort of world-class Franks, but it was just something about the thrill of the hunt. Like it was a victory hot dog. I had earned my meal on that day. Like the, you know, like the people that had to be hunter gatherers of old. Hey, of course. Well, we will end it there with the hunter gathers of old. That is a wrap. Another episode of Ramblin' is in the books. Appreciate your time, Mike. Um, Rams fans, we appreciate you as well. We know how much you've missed the Rams game last season, so don't miss out on a chance to step into the Rams house this season, 2021. You can purchase tickets. Visit therams.com slash 2021. We'll be bringing you more podcasts throughout this off on season, this crazy season. Until then, stay safe and healthy, my friends. Go grab yourself a Dodger dog.